Today's episode of The Landing is brought to you by friends of the podcast, Axis Forestry. Axis Forestry manufactures the all-new Rebel processor heads and the Cypress Robotics controllers. They also manufacture parts for multiple brands of processing heads, so check them out before your machine goes down. The guys at Axis are a great bunch of folks who stand by their products and are committed to getting you up and running, making money, and doing it quickly. If you haven't checked out the Cypress controller yet, head on over to Axis Forestry website. I'll have a link to that in the show notes. The Cypress controller can be retrofitted to any brand of head, and it's a game changer for any logging operation. It's rugged, reliable, simple to use, simple to install, and competitively priced. For a limited time, exclusive for the landing listeners, mention this podcast when ordering a new Cypress system and get a $500 parts credit. Hey everyone, this episode of The Landing is also brought to you by me. If you want to see what I can do to help your business, maybe talk about some social media strategies or how to use some really nice professional photos or video work, Come see me at the Oregon Logging Conference, February 23rd through the 25th. I'll be in space number 65 in the Performance Hall. Welcome to The Landing, the podcast that goes into the brush with foresters, contract loggers, and operators in the Pacific Northwest timber industry. Welcome back to The Landing, everyone. I'm your host, Jason Davenport, and today we have on the show Shane Hyatt. How are you doing today, buddy? Oh, not too bad. Yourself? Oh, I am doing good now that we're recording. That was my bad. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Luckily, it was only about 15 seconds, right? Yeah. So, uh, what have you been up to today? Um, uh, a little bit of everything. Uh, knocking out a oil change and then went and towed the rigging trailer with the yarder cab from one job to the next. Copy that. Sounds like move day tomorrow, huh? Uh, I already got that moved, and oh, gotcha. uh, the yard, yeah, and then now just waiting for the cutters to catch up a little bit, and hopefully get rigged up here by Thursday. So, copy. And then you guys are based up out of like the Skagit Valley area. What town are you in? Like based out of specifically? Uh, our shop is actually based out of Alger. It's a little community about halfway between, uh, Burlington and, uh, Bellingham. So oh, okay. north, north end of Skagit County off of the I-5 corridor there. Yeah, dude, that's way further north than I thought it was, uh, before I was up there last summer. Yeah. Yeah. We're only about an hour south of the Canadian border drive time. Yeah, I went into the to Woods Logging Supply up there, and I was like, hey, guys, I got a podcast. And they're like, man, you should talk to Shane. I'm like, you know, I should. And it's been probably this long since we've been talking about it, so I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, yeah, no, I uh, I know we mentioned it before, and, yeah, glad we were able to make it happen. Are you going to make it down to the Oregon Logging Conference this week at all? Uh, not 100% sure yet. Uh, I know Dad and I mentioned it, or Dad mentioned it to me about trying to go down, and uh, we just haven't ironed out for sure if we're going to make it down there or not yet. Gotcha, gotcha. So, uh, how long have you been logging? Uh, I guess I technically started when I was 18, and um, yeah, been at it ever since, so I'm 32 now and be 33 actually here and later this year so huh dang we're the same age dude i turned 33 next month 
Oh yeah, I'm June. So okay, yeah, March. Um, wild. That's cool. So I guess like sounds like you guys have a pretty like family oriented business. Your family's kind of been in it your whole life, or how'd you get into it? Yeah, no, I'm third generation. Uh, my grandfather started it in 1953. Um, not sure the whole story, you know, every detail of his story back when he started, but uh, in 1964, he was working as a number two Jippo outfit for Warehouser down at a North Bend, and they came to all the Jippos and shut them down and after sitting for two weeks, he got tired of it and collected his equipment and moved north up here to uh, Alger. And we've been here ever since 1964. So, Dang, that's wild, dude. That's a that's a long move for somebody to be mad about something. Yeah, but it's totally understandable, though. I mean, guys got to work and guys got to feed his family, you know. Yeah, yeah, and at the time he had, you know. My dad's got, my dad's the youngest and got four older sisters. So he had a full family and, and, uh, yeah, I needed to, you know, keep producing and working to, you know, provide an income. So you guys have a yarder, like you're just saying, um, has it been hard for you to keep rigging crew? Like, Everybody I talk to is always having a hard time finding help, and especially people for out on the rigging. Like, you know, there are guys that are established at it, and you know, half of them have a reputation, half of them don't know shit, and the other half are lazy. You know what I mean? But like, yeah, have, have you guys struggled with that too? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that's one of our biggest struggles the last handful of years is trying to keep rigging guys. Um, luckily enough, we got a couple we got one good guy out there is our hook tender he actually took a step up and uh from rigan slinger when his uh brother got into a processor and so he's been at it for quite a few years now for us and we've got a one green guy that started for us about a year ago now that he's pretty good he's not you know he's still got a lot to learn but he's he definitely tries and uh he shows up every day that I know of. And, um, we've, other than that, yeah, we're just straight by with whoever else they can find to get us by. Crazy. What do you think is going to be, I'm going to hit you with a million dollar question right out of the gate here. Um, okay. what do you think is going to be a good strategy to attract new people to the industry? Like how are we going to find people that want to work on the rig and show up every day? You know, I, if I knew the answer to that, I <laughs> would, I would gladly share that information with every other logging out that there is. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I know there are some outfits that I've heard down South that tried to get into the high schools during like career day. And I have, you know, never really heard how that works for them, but you know, I've thought about trying to do that here, you know, try to, find a way to get into a couple of the local high schools and especially the ones that have the uh, forestry following and that, especially the SFA program. So, Oh, they do still have that stuff up there at the local high schools though, the FFA. Yeah. Uh, I went to Burlington. 
Uh, we didn't have much of a, a forestry program, but uh, Cedar Woolley and uh, Mount Baker School Districts, which would be in Deming, they both do. Last thing I knew. That's cool. I don't oh. actually know. God, I'm trying to think that there's any schools, like high schools around here, like not in my specific area that I know of that have them. I think maybe, you know, like Philomath might have a forestry team, still a little forestry program, but uh my senior year of high school i broke my leg in half in 2007 playing football my junior year and then so i was like i'm done with football i'm gonna transfer high schools and go to pleasant hill and get in the forestry program and then 2007 was the last year they had the forestry program and i was like well that didn't work out like i wanted it to yeah yeah burlington we didn't have a forestry team for the ffa um but i did the Trap shooting, and then I did uh, the egg mech, you know, mechanics, and then I was part of the leadership class where we did a bunch of different other deals where we went over to Pullman and had like kind of different competitions and stuff, and I did that a little bit. So, oh, that sounds cool. I just, um, I think that would help to get some of this stuff into the high schools and just to show people they don't have to go to college to earn a decent living. I mean, I'm down here at least like you make pretty good money once you work your way out of the rig and out in the woods right now. And I'm sure it's the same way where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, man, we're trying to pay as much as we feel, you know, com- comfortable or compatible to get, you know, rigging guys, but you know, it's still, still tough trying to offer more incentives. We finally started offering health insurance this year and it's not much, but it's better than nothing. And, um, yeah. Well, I imagine it's real tough too on your end. Cause like you have all the risk, you have, you know, all the equipment payments, all the breakdowns, all the times the mills or somebody don't pay you for 60 or 90 days. Like that's all on the business owner too. So people need to look at it from both perspectives. Yes. Yes, they do. They don't, some of them guys don't understand that, uh, at the, when the quit and whistle blows and they take off running for the crummy to get, catch a ride home, that there's hours of phone calls, paperwork repairs that go on that they don't even think about. Yeah, that was, um, when I was a kid, if my dad always told me if the guys had enough energy to run the crummy at the end of the day, they didn't work hard enough. (laughs) So I was going to want to get kind of your perspective on that too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, they always want to park the crew bus or the crummy, you know, on the, closest wide spot which most of the time is the truck turnaround and just so they could be closer to when the quitting whistle blows so i want to dive into some of that the back-end stuff to running a business and working with family like my experience with it is like people either it works really well for them or it's just uh huge headache so like what is your typical day look like you know 
running equipment all day or are you mostly like bouncing between sides, keeping everything going or what's that look like for you? I'm jack of all trades. I'm anywhere from running equipment, mechanicking. I usually take care of scheduling little boy and taking care of all the moving equipment from job site, piloting and yeah, whatever it takes to keep things moving and keep guys working. So when they are there, they're producing. Gotcha. So then like if somebody calls out or something, then if you got to fill in, you just got to fill in and make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. We, and most of our guys we got now, you know, the other operators and stuff, they'll, they're good about pitching in where they can and making it work and getting the job done and get through the day. So you guys just have the one side or you're running multiple sides right now? Uh, we, we usually try to run a shovel side and a power side. Um, we usually try to try to keep them close together or if not on the same job. And so it just makes things smoother and easier for keeping our trucks where they need to be. And when there is breakdowns or there's something going on that, we're not spread out too far. Gotcha. You guys do your own trucking or you have to sub that out? Uh, we sub most of it out. We do have our own, one of our own trucks. Uh, my uncle that's married into the family. Um, he drives it and he's, he'll be wanting to retire here shortly. So, uh, in the meantime though, we have, uh, two or three, guys that are owner operators we subcontract out to and then we have a, another guy here in our area that uh has a lot of quite a few trucks still not like he used to be but um we have one of his trucks as our number one hire truck so <clears throat> down here it's kind of hard to find trucks it definitely was like during the fire salvage stuff you know log trucks were like a very hot commodity is it like that up there or how's that situation? Uh, yeah, no, it can be hard finding trucks up here at times. Um, a lot of it just depends on who's moving wood and how much and the weather and everything. Right now we haven't had too big of an issue dealing with trucks. Um, but there's been times, yeah, I've been on social media and trying to blast it all over trying to get any truck we could get, whether it was just one load or one load a day, you know, fill in when you can, things like that. Gotcha. And you're pretty active on social media. Has that seemed, does that seem like it's been helping out like the business end of things? Yeah. It's a way to communicate with other guys and, you know, look for potential guys looking for work whether it's rigging guys or operators, um, way to, you know, get the word out that we are looking for trucks. And, uh, yeah, I feel like it, you know, it helps. And you know, I try really hard to, you know, put stuff out there that is, you know, good for us, good for the industry and not nothing too negative, hopefully. 
<laughs> no, I, that's why I wanted to talk about that. Cause I think you're doing a really good job on there. You know, just like people don't really want like talked at on there, I guess is the way I put it. Like if you are looking for something, you know, put that you're looking for something and don't, it doesn't have to be super complicated. Not, not for the timber industry, at least from what I've seen, like, you know, share stuff about what you're doing that day and you know, how your day's going or whatever. And then, you know, people just kind of are interested in what you're doing. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, when guys are messaging me about, you know, coming to work or they're wanting to get into it. And I try to tell them, you know, biggest thing is come with an open mind, come to learn and don't have a attitude or think, you know, it all attitude and learn to be willing to listen and take direction. And, you know, before you know it, you're, you know, you'd be able to hopefully go somewhere with that as long as you got the drive. Yeah. I don't see why that wouldn't work. I think that's just good advice for anybody that's listening on here. That's, you know, thinking about getting a job in the industry is just, you know, you got to have thick skin with some of these older dudes and keep your, head on a swivel and just work hard you know ask questions we need to ask them even the grumpy old dudes when they're tired of you asking questions they'll still appreciate it at the end of the day when you didn't fuck something up because you didn't ask yep yep no that i'm all guys you know the older the older generation that are still in it they you know as long as they've been in it they've seen things whether it's right or wrong and you know hopefully they'll as long as you're willing to ask questions or, you know, take it, take it with a grain of salt when they chew your ass, you know, definitely listen to what they have to say. Yeah. I mean, my experience with that too, is that none of it's personal really. It's just, um, you know, you could, you're standing in the wrong spot. You could have got hurt and they're going to let you know about it. And then it's just, it is what it is. They're over it and on the next thing, you know? Yep. Yep. I've had my ass chewed out myself couple of times you know just about things that you know a little while later person completely forgot about what they even blew up about and they come say you're say they're sorry and you know you move on and best friends again yeah for sure i think especially too if you're if you're the type that's going to work hard every day and they can tell that you're trying like they're not going to hold it against you for too long no so let's see where do you think the industry is headed like you guys are still yarder logging got a shovel side uh have you gotten into any tethering or anything like that yet or do you see yourself going in that direction uh we haven't got any into any tethering yet um we will probably eventually have to make a step that direction how we go about it we're not 100 sure yet um a lot of money to be wrapped up in a piece of equipment like that and you know we really try hard to find certain jobs that suit us that you know we feel we can do well at and um the ground up here and places just you know there's guys up here that are tethering and some, some wicked ground, but you know, that's they got 
I guess, more cojones than I do. Well, that's what I was kind of wanting to get into with that is um, it's pretty vertical country up in there. And, like, yeah. I went and shot a job out uh, just a little bit east of Enumclaw oh, summer, last summer or last fall or something. But that country is wild up there, dude. Like, it's straight up and down, rocky as hell. You know, it's not like down here. A lot of the stuff is pretty prime tethering ground. But the Landing Podcast is brought to you today by Axis Forestry. Axis Forestry released their all-new Rebel T22 processor head in December of 2022. The Rebel T22 was designed specifically with the North American logger in mind. This head is tough, it'll cut up to 23-inch wood, and can be ordered in a variety of feeding torque options. For just a $1,000 deposit, you can get your name in the production queue for a head. Call Axis at 778-471-2947 to order. Again, that's 778-471-2947. To see what they have to offer at the upcoming Oregon Logging Conference, February 23rd through 25th, swing by booths number 168 and 169 in the exhibit hall. Now back to the show. And uh, yep. that's super straight up and down country too, like straight up to the timber line and then some, and it's just like, vertical drops everywhere rocks and i'm like man this is nuts around a bunch of around out here yeah yeah we're about we're pretty much directly east of port angeles across the sound roughly so yeah we're pretty similar terrain yeah that's what i was wondering about is like the because tethering up there you know you've got to have room for your base machine and then you've got to be able to get around and I was just wondering if that's something a lot of people are doing up there or not, just, just because of the, the terrain. Yeah, I can think of three outfits right off the top of my head that are doing it in our area, and they all seem to be doing pretty good at it, and it's working for them. Huh. It seems like a lot to bite off, though, because you're, you know, you're pushing a million and a half bucks just to get going on a tether side. And yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's it's a lot in my mind to think of those payments, especially like you can keep a buncher running usually around here, but your base machine might sit for a month or two at a time. And like, I I think I'd just be pulling my hair out over that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, there's times we would find our sitting quite often. So that's, you know, for us just trying to find which direction would be best suitable. Oh yeah. It's just, uh, I think it's pretty cool to where the industry's going with that stuff. But I also feel like you've got to, like, if that's what you're going to do, it's going to be one of those things. So like, you've got to stay busy with that at least long enough to pay all that gear off. But yeah, let's see. What else do I have on here? You got into it cause your family's into it. Uh, let me see. You think, uh, uh, yarder logging is going to stick around for the long term? You no, know, I think it, I think it's going to have to somehow. Well, that's what I'm thinking too, especially with some of the country in some of these spots. It's like, you really can't get machines on some of this stuff. Yeah, no. And, uh, I think 
couple of the mills in our area are starting to realize there's not as many power loggers up this direction as there used to be. And so I, you know, hopefully they're, you know, going to keep that in mind. And, um, yeah, there's in our area up here, there's really only two mills that will take, you know, bulk of our wood. And so like down South, South of Seattle, down into Oregon, there's quite a few more mills or they got, you know, multiple companies have multiple mills so they can bounce their bounce their wood around more or have a little more competitive competition between the different mills for buying wood and spread it out a little bit. Other than up here, we just got uh, Sierra Pacific, Burlington, and then Hampton up in Darrington. Oh, wow. I didn't realize there was only two mills up there. I mean, we have uh, Busey, which they sold there in Everett. They take mostly oversized, rougher oversized wood. Uh, we have a great western up here in Everson, Whatcom County. Same thing. Um, there's Canyon and Everett. There's, they like that nice prime fur log for making bean boards out of. And then we have uh, Willis and Everett. And then our Cedar and Alder are going to Osprey Logistics, which is the old foremark yard in Everett. And then they truck it or barge it out of there. So oh, Alta, wow. Alta, Northwest Hardwoods or PA Hardwoods. Gotcha. So you're looking at quite a bit of trucking, though, too, then on every load, if you're hauling stuff to Everett. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I, for the last job, I can't remember what the round trip was for a truck going to Everett. I think first truck out was it was probably about four hours round trip. Gotcha. Huh. I could be wrong, but I think that was about it. So how does it work up there? Are you guys like, are the mills, like are you, how do I want to phrase this? Uh, so like down here, the loggers or the mills will buy like government timber sales or the loggers will work on the private timberlands. Like, is that pretty much how it is where you guys are at too? Yes. Yes. Yeah. We currently are working between two different, uh, tree farms. Um, our primary one is, uh, Blowdale Timberlands. And then we also work for Grandy Lake Timber. They're just private tree farms that have their own foresters that take care of things. They lay out all the sales and deal with selling the wood to the mills and they just subcontract out the logging to us. Okay, gotcha. So you'll just go in and bid the job, you know, by the board footer, by the ton to log it and haul it. Yep, cut it. Yeah, we and then we subcut we subcontract our hand cutting, and then to a guy and his son, and then yeah, logging and trucking. Gotcha. Is there still quite a few like hand fallers around up there? Because that seems like a pretty hot commodity down here right now. Uh, there's a fair amount. There's been a big push of a few of the guys my age that got out of the rigging and got more into the hand falling um here recently last year or two um there's a fair amount of them still around up here gotcha 
Yeah, it was um, it was pretty wild when all the fires went through in 2020. Uh, dude, there was hand fallers coming in from all over the country because it was like the big landowners down here have been pushing, you know, the last 10 years to get boots off the ground and go to mechanized felling and, and, and logging and stuff. So it's like all these guys that used to be hand cutters running around have either gotten into equipment, you know, they started running bunchers or they've just gotten into the rigging or gotten out of the industry completely. So it was kind of a, it was kind of a weird deal for a while. Like nobody could find hand fallers. And then when they did find some good ones, you know, people were throwing money at them and be like, Hey, we need this wood cut first. You know, we'll pay you extra. We'll pay you more than the next guy. And, but now that all the burnt wood's about gone or starting to rot, like it's starting, seems like it's starting to calm down a little bit. Yeah. I, I know of a couple of guys in our area, I think went down there and cut for a while, but I think they're back up here working. But it's just, um, I don't know. Did also, sorry about my voice sounds all weird, gravelly. I flew on an airplane to Texas and now I have a cold. Yeah, I just fought off a head cold last week. So I'm feeling just last yesterday, started feeling normal again. So yeah, it seems like it takes a while. And also, I feel like every other time I fly on an airplane, I get sick for some one reason or another. Yeah, yeah. When I flew on an airplane back in January, I never was up for wearing a mask, but during the whole COVID thing, but I definitely did when I went on the airplane. Cause it seems like anytime I talk to anyone that's ever been on an airplane, they're usually sick after they're back. Yeah. I don't know. It's, there's gotta be something to it sitting in there and recycled air with a hundred and something other people. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure you were probably on a bit bigger of a plane than I was on. Yeah, I think we flew over there on a 737, and then on the way back, it was about the same size plane. But, dude, let me tell you this, though. I was like, oh, I'm going to Texas. It's going to be Texas, right? You know what everyone thinks Texas is? Well, don't go to Houston if you're expecting to go to Texas. Like, everything, (laughs) you know, the Texas that people romanticize about, the cowboys and shit, like, there is not much cowboy going on in Houston. It's a very huge, like, very huge metropolitan area, dude. Like, insane amount of people there. Oh, well, that's good to know. Yeah, like, we, uh, I needed a haircut, and I didn't have time before we left, so I scheduled one for the day we flew in down there in this, uh, I forget what it's called, the Galleria, maybe. Uh, it's a big mall down there. And, uh, dude, there's like Louis Vuitton and all these like fancy stores with legit like cops standing in front of them. There's like a Rolex store. And I'm like, man, I don't even have enough money to breathe the air on this floor right now. dude. Like, let me get this haircut and get out of here. Yeah. You want to find me shopping there. (laughs) It was a, it was kind of a little bit of shell shock, dude. Like I forget how many people are there, but the guys I was down there with, they said it's about 70 miles from east to west, one side to the other. And I was like, man, this is, this is not the rural Texas kind of cowboy shit that I was thinking it was going to be. No, don't sound like it. (laughs) 
So you guys mostly just work up for the both those two tree farms, and that's pretty much just uh, around the Burlington area. Uh yeah, Skagit County and Walken County mostly. Uh, we've gone down into Northern Snohomish County a little bit. We're actually right now do starting another job right on the Skagit Snohomish County line. Um, and then uh, from time to time we'll do a state sale or DNR sale. Um. And then we've done little private job, landowner jobs where we've had to go in ourselves and, you know, mark out the unit and get the DNR involved and sell our the lumber or the wood ourselves. So, Gotcha. So what all kind of goes into that, like planning something like that out if a landowner comes to you and says, hey, man, you know, we've got 40 acres back here that, you know, grandpa planted and we want to turn it into pasture or whatever, like what do you have to do as far as uh, DNRs involved? How much involvement do they have to have in a private piece like that? You know, I wasn't real much part of the last one or the ones we've done. Um, my dad's taking care of most of that. Uh, but you know, go in and I believe you got to go in and kind of flag out an area of what you think, you know, they want logs and you need to understand the forest practice ideas of water and everything. And then I believe you just apply for a permit through the DNR FPA forest practice permit. And then they'll come out and look around and they'll turn you down or give you the thumbs up or they may say you need to change some things and can be a it can be a process <laughs> copy yeah just like dealing with the state anywhere right yeah 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 no my my brother would be one to ask more of those questions because that's he's onto the forester side of the of the industry so oh gotcha so did you go to college for any of this or you just start working straight out of high school uh just start working straight out of high school um, my parents said if I was going to get into the industry or get into the business that they wanted me to do something other than high school. So I went to the tech school up in Bellingham and got some welding certifications and, uh, then when I was up there, I was able to do an internship up at the Cherry Point, BP Cherry Point Refinery and spent a summer doing that. But, uh, other than that, I've mostly been working for the business that's cool no i seen you're doing some welding repairs what was that yesterday or today i saw on instagram ah that was yesterday yeah so uh let me ask you this about the welding stuff what's your preferred way to fix this equipment you like the 7018 or you like to run in wire uh something in the shop small just use wire but i'm usually 7018 uh, i'm not we don't have a real big welder that was my biggest thing is yesterday i had to have someone come out that had a bigger welder that could air arc and oh yeah but a lot of little things and a lot of you know stuff myself or my dad can do and just get out you know independent fabrication mechanic guy that come out and help us turn wrenches from time to time or 
when we actually have to get a dealer truck, you know, service truck out. Right. Now, Air Arkin is hard on welding machines, man. It's just, uh, it's one of them things that takes a lot more juice than a lot of people thinks it takes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, I know they say, they say I could air arc up to like quarter inch on mine, but I was like, mm, as old as it is, I ain't going to take the chance of burning it up. <laughs> Copy. I thought I did here about a year ago, but oh, really? And ended up having to tear half the paneling off of it to get down in there. And there were two little ceramic fuses that were blown. Oh, be damn. Well, so that wasn't too bad then. Thankfully. No, no, it only took me about 14 YouTube videos to watch, and <laughs> then it and then it took me about three days driving around to a bunch of the places, parts stores, and finally found the right fuses. Nice. Yeah, that's the cool part about YouTube, though, man. Like, there's a lot of useful stuff on there, as long as you can sort the pepper from the fly shit. Yep, yep. Years ago, I used to give my brother-in-law shit for working on his car, watching YouTube videos, but... I keep finding myself more and more looking stuff up on how to how to tear into something so I have at least a basic idea when I get there myself. Yeah, no, it seems like um if you're stumped on something a little bit, at least you can get on there and like get the theory of operation down so where you can wrap your head around what's going on and then figure it out on your own if you have to. Yeah, yeah, and I'm finding there's, you know, more and more guys getting into making videos of things they're working on and trying to make things helpful for people, and which is, which is actually pretty cool. Gotcha. Yeah. No, it's um, it seems like there's getting to be a lot more of like uh, repair work on there, like especially you know my background is welding, so like. Some of the stuff I would get out on some side work back when I did that, and I'd be like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do about this, you know? And you get as far as you can the first day, and then that night you're like, oh, I'll see what I can find on the internet. And then there's somebody doing something kind of the same, and you're just like, hey, that's what I was thinking about doing. I think it'll work, you know? Yeah, yeah, it definitely helps. And, you know, work. I find working on things that it's usually when you get thumped, it takes some time, but if you can find the right person to help you, there's always at least one person out there that's seen something, that's seen it, and can eventually walk you through it. But sometimes it can take a while to find that right person. Yeah, it's crazy too. Some people you call, they know how to. They also, you know, might not have done that exact job, but they'll know how to ask you the right questions where you talk them through it, and you wind up talking it through for yourself. You know what I mean? And it's like they didn't really know how to help you fix it, but they knew how to help you kind of get through it in your own head. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found myself call someone up and some can't figure it out and start talking to them and, you know, explaining them to them what I'm doing. And then next thing I know, I kind of just figure it out myself. Right. That's way more valuable than a lot of people give credit. You know, it's like, it's totally worth your time. Yeah. So you guys run a lot of uh, the Doosan loaders. Have those been pretty good for you? Uh, yeah, they've been great for us. Uh, we just picked up our fourth one back in, uh, I guess it was end of August, first part of September. 
Um, we got uh, started with our first one in 2013. Uh, it was a 300 with a uh, 870 Keto uh, harvesting head on it. And then we ended up picking up a 300 shovel wall glitter a couple years later. A couple years after that, picked up a 225 for loading on our tower side. And then uh, we just updated our first deuce on with a uh, new 300 with a 10,000 uh, log max head on it. Gotcha. How did you guys like that kiddo head? Uh, we've had... You know, for the Kettos, we love, we've loved running the Kettos. They, for us, they've made great quality log. And yeah, they've been really good uh, for log quality and measurements. We uh, finally went with a log max, though, because with the Kettle product is unfortunately kind of making its way out of this area right um, yeah that's why i asked because there's like not very many of them down here i was just wondering if it was a good product or not yeah no we've had great huh. i mean we've really had good luck with them i mean we've had three over the years and um you know we've had yeah they've had their you know issues but really overall we've enjoyed running them and like i said they make great log quality and uh, we've done a lot of work over the years with a, uh, pole yard in our area up here in Bellingham. Um, and the guys there in the yard, they say the kettles make the best pole, whether it's feeder or fur, they don't tear up the wood as bad. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So how do you like the log max compared to them? Um, so far the operator seems to be really enjoying the log max. Um, I haven't tried to run it yet. Um, but it seems like it's pretty fast head and it will, uh, should be a pretty trip. Should be a pretty good head for us. And we're looking forward to seeing how it does. Yeah. They seem like they're pretty tough. My buddy Travis out at EVT. Today's episode is also brought to you by Emerald Valley Thinning. Based in Rennes, Oregon, but working year-round outside Vanita, they are currently taking applications for rigging hands, shovel operators, processor operators, and a low-boy driver. EVT has steady year-round work, and they offer good pay and a couple of benefits. Call or text Travis at 541-760-6194, or call the office at 541-929-5035. For listeners of the Landing Podcast, they're offering a free drug test, a physical, and a free EVT hat when you hire on. If you want to hear more about Travis and Emerald Valley Thinning, check out episode 9 of this podcast. Every time I go out there, I'm like, man, I know this thing's got a lot of hours on it, and it looks like it's in pretty good shape. Like, you know, you could look for look on these processing heads, and you can tell where they're going to have cracks and stuff. And, you know, there's a couple repairs on some of theirs, but they've been... They've been solid heads for them for what I could always tell. So I hope that, you know, I hope it's a good head for you guys. It seems like they're a good product. Yeah. And, uh, the technician that Quadco sends out that kind of their log max guy, he's been really easy to work with and really knowledgeable and really good about 
you know, walking us through things and talking to us and explaining things and everything. And he's only, only been out once for you know, a little, you know, warranty work and, um, since we've had it and, but he's pretty good about, you're able to call him up on the phone and ask him a question. And then if you don't answer, he calls you back with, you know, pretty prompt time. Oh, that's cool. It's, um, it's hard to beat any kind of machine that has good customer support. Yep. That's, that's a big thing right there. Customer service, customer support. And... Cause I mean, they can wine and dine you and bring you pizza on the landing and sell you the machine. But if they just disappear after you buy the thing, it's really not worth anything better than any other, you know, piece of junk. Yep. So you guys have, who's your dealer for the deuce on stuff up there then? Is it Cascade Trader? Yes, Cascade Trader. Gotcha. So then they have to come up if you have issues from Chehalis or do they have like a local guy, like a resident up there? Uh, no, they got to come up from Chehalis. Gotcha. Um, over the years, they've tried to get a, try to at least keep a service truck north of Seattle, but it's never really worked out for them. And so I know they're, pushing to get in that working on trying to do that again here i've heard and um yeah it would be nice because it's not you know you know now we do have one newer one so it is under warranty but you know there for a while as they've gotten out of warranty you know coming from Chalice that's up through seattle never know what traffic's going to be so that can be a <laughs> a bad day yeah dude anytime you don't have to drive through seattle is a good day yep yep <laughs> yeah it's, whenever i gotta go south down there I, as long as i get on i-5 here at the closest exit here by four forty-five in the morning i can usually sail right down through there without too much of a problem that's kind of how I try and time out Portland too. If I'm ever working North dude, it's like, I got to get on the, I got to get on the road at four, like hit the freeway at four and I'll cruise through Portland. But if you hit the freeway at five down here and like Eugene or something, you're going to hit like Salem and then Minville and Wilsonville and Portland. And it's just going to be a headache. Yep. Yeah. We also, I mean, with Everett as a, pretty good pinch point and then seattle and then down there in between uh tacoma around fife and tacoma oh yeah fife's always a big and then and then uh the, the squally hole there between tacoma and olympia can get pretty backed up at times too <laughs> so you guys have been running deuce on since 2013 you said like uh is that before so i kind of want to dive into this a little bit too because there were some Doosons down here for a little while. And I don't remember if it was 2013 or if it was earlier than that. But there were a couple of them that pretty much gave that whole brand a bad name because the booms were cracking and they had electrical like gremlins and stuff. And, you know, guys were just getting pissed off and fed up with them. And it's kind of cool to talk to you. And you guys have had really good luck with them. Like, did you have any yeah. kind of issues like in, in the early years running them or how'd that go? Uh, no, really. I mean, really overall, we've had really good luck with them. I mean, they aren't the most 
durable or heaviest built machine there, but for the price to get one on site to do the job, you can't beat it. And we found, and they're fairly, they're as fuel efficient as we can of any other equipment we got. And, um, they, uh, overall we've had really good luck with them have only a hand. I don't even say a whole handful of times we've had to have a service truck come out and, and I know the one was warranty and yeah. <laughs> That's we've, impressive. We've man. Yeah, no, we, we've been happy with them. I know, uh, this guy, Jeff Brink, that I do a lot of work with, um, with my photography business. He's got a couple of deuce on loaders that they use for, you know, like hazard tree removal and, you know, feeding a grinder and stuff like that. And he's like, man, they're great. He's like, for the price we paid for them, they do the same job as these other machines. And, you know, they're not out shovel logging with them 12 hours a day or nothing like that. He's like, why do I need a cat or anything else when I could buy this brand new deuce on? It's going to do the job I need it to do. And I don't have to worry about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's like I said, we got two that are processors and, we got one 225 that you know, most of the time is underneath, sitting underneath the tower, you know, loading on the tower side and got a 300 that bounces around, you know, a little bit of shovel logging, loading on the shovel side. And, um, yeah, we've had real good luck with them. And we, uh, back in 2017, we bought a Mendel 3800C. And the only reason we went with that one at the time was it was one of the last ones that they could build before they had to go to tier four missions. Okay. And, and then at that time, the 380 for Deuce on was still, they were still tinkering on some things with the boom configuration with the cylinders and stuff. So we weren't sure if we wanted to go that route a hundred percent yet until they, you know, had a few more of them out there and a few hour, hundred hours on them and kind of got all the, got all those things worked out on those three eighties. Right. And how do you like that machine? The, everyone I know that likes Medills love them. And the guys that don't really like them don't like them at all. Uh, that thing is an animal. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. I mean, it can flat move some wood and I'm usually the one that typically runs it when I am in a machine and, yeah, I, I've, I've enjoyed running it. I mean, I ran a, ran a fairly well used 330 cat C model, um, before that. And the first, uh, loader that I really learned to run was a 360 Komatsu. And I think it was just shy of 40,000 hours on it when we got rid of it. And, uh, I called it my drunk dinosaur. <laughs> drunk dinosaur. Kind of walk down. It could not walk down a straight road. Oh no! But, but I mean, you got to give it something. That thing didn't know anybody. Nothing by forty thousand hours. No, and there was a lot of days after I went from that to that cat shovel that I wished I had that old come on to. Yeah, yeah, it was old. It was old and slow, but. There was a lot of days I felt I could outwork it, and I can I could outwork that cat machine I ran for a while there. Huh. But we got it used, and it you know, I had to have you know 
few things worked on and things straightened out on it, but you know, I eventually got used to running it and made made it for what it was and then we got that Medill brand new and so got in that and So that's basically just a production machine on the shovel side then. Yep. Gotcha. No, I I really like the way that those Medills are built. I haven't been around any of the new like four thousand series ones at all, but like the thirty eight hundred Cs, the twenty eight hundreds, twenty eight fifties, like those things are built to shovel log with, you know, and it's, uh, you know, from a repair perspective, not having the offside boxes and stuff when you need to line bore the main hoist cylinder pins on the, on the car body, it's a lot easier. And it just seems like there's a lot more that Medill built into those machines for the guy that's going to repair them than the other manufacturers. Yeah. Well, they were built in Canada and up there on Vancouver Island and some of them guys up north and into Alaska, you know, those, they, they made them as, you know, tried to make them as serviceable as possible for out in the bush, you know, when they're out deep in the bush with them. Yeah. No, I just, I wish that more manufacturers would do that kind of stuff nowadays. Like, uh, put in a hardened steel bushing in the static bores. So like when you need to repin and bush your boom, it's all bushings instead of having to line bore, you know, the static ends. So it's like little things like that, that you're going to have to machine those holes at the factory anyways. And like, I'm sure if they're buying hard bushings, they're getting them for like 12 bucks a piece. So like it wouldn't really add that much to the cost of a machine just for like the shovel log and stuff. You know, if you're building a log loader, just put hard bushings and everything. Then you can run harder pins and, you know, everything's field serviceable at that point and not, not where you got a line bore all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's been quite a while since we've ever had anything line board and, um, which is, which is good. Cause I know that's not, not easy and it's not, you know, usually too cheap. So no, it's definitely not cheap these days. But, well, man, my my last question for you is going to be, uh, what's your favorite energy drink if you stop at the store? <laughs> uh, well, it used to be bangs, but I don't know. <laughs> I keep I keep finding they're harder to find, and I I've heard that uh, Rockstar they bought they were bought out by Rockstar, and then Rockstar was bought out by Coca Cola or something. So I don't know. Oh man, it's turned into a mess. Yeah, I've and uh, luckily the wife found some here a while back again at the grocery store, and so she stocked me up again for a while. But I uh, try not to drink them, but I find I do drink at least one a day. Copy. Well, unless you got anything else, bud, I think I'll let you get back to what you got going this evening. And uh, I appreciate you coming on, and thanks for your time. Yeah, no, I uh, definitely enjoyed it, and yeah. Um, you know, going back to the Doosan thing, um, they uh, making some changes uh, that they're going to be doing a name change, and um, it's going to be, if I'm pronouncing it right, the Volon. Oh, yeah. I think I saw something about this on like a Con Expo page or something. Yep, yep. They're going to have a big announcement during this year Con Expo and um, because uh, Doosan and I believe Hyundai have, 
have either merged or one of them bought out the other. And so there's going to be, uh, some changes and everything. So like I said, they'll be making some announcements there at Con Expo. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of future they have. And, uh, I got invited here back down in January to go down to their proving ground in Arizona and, uh, for a customer appreciation event and, uh, met, quite a few people from the manufacturer and even two or three guys that had come over from their factory in Korea. And, you know, they definitely got a lot of, you know, more into the dirt stuff and, but they're still, you know, they were still wanting to make advances into the forestry. And so we'll see, we'll see how that works out for them. And hopefully, you know, you know, things will be looking up for them and continuing to, supply equipment for the forestry industry yeah that would be i hope they do man because to be honest with you the more companies that are building this gear the more innovation is going to drive a little bit quicker you know just so everyone you've got to have a certain edge to get the market share that the manufacturers want and i feel like the more competitive it is the quicker things are going to get better yeah 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 I think uh, a little bit of competition and everything in life, you know, makes things usually a little bit better. So I think it'll be a good thing and be exciting to see what they, what they, you know, what comes to the table here back in uh, March after Con Expo and what the future looks like. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a good year. Yeah, no, we're definitely looking forward to a good year this year ourselves and keep, uh, keep logging and trucking on. (laughs) Right. Well, dude, if you guys make it down to the log show in Eugene, uh, look me up. I'll be in uh, space 65 in the performance hall. Okay. Yeah. No, if, uh, yeah, if we made it down there, definitely will. And, uh, like I said, we, we talked about a little bit and not sure yet exactly if we're coming down, but hopefully we'll, hopefully we'll try to get down there. (laughs) It's a long drive, man. Just to come kick tires and look at shiny paint. Yeah. Yeah. But you got to do that from time to time and, you know, see what's out there and kind of talk with other people and, what you know uh, keep up on what's happening out there because it's not you know not sure you know what could happen or you know we could be left behind on something whether you know getting into the tethering thing or you know other other ideas yeah true true there's um it's gonna be a lot of cool stuff i think at this show I don't know how big it's going to be compared to previous years, but I know that uh, there's going to be some really neat stuff coming from Summit at the show this year. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. What I've you know been seeing the last couple of three days here is some sneak peek stuff from different people. It looks like looks like there's going to be a fair amount of stuff down there this year. Yep, yep. I know. I know. I don't know. I know quite a few people around the industry and I know there's going to be some new gear. I think at a lot of different booths, uh, from 
some of the big manufacturers even too. So I think it's going to be a good year to kick some tires and look in some windows. Yeah. Yeah. I've only been down there one other time and, um, yeah, no, it was, uh, definitely cool to come down there and see quite a, quite a bit of equipment. And, you know, we have a pretty good little, uh, log show up here in our area that, um, they do the guy, the people that put that on all the volunteers and stuff that put that on work their asses off for months, you know, do it. And they really made it into something. And, um, you know, the dealerships try to get some equipment up there and stuff, but I know it's nothing like it ever used to be back when I was a kid and even before my time. So is that the one at Deming? Yeah. I, dude, I want to make it up to that one. Maybe I'll do that this summer. Yeah. Yeah. Second full weekend of June every year. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully it'll work out. It'd be cool to go to that one. Yeah. Usually Friday, you know, afternoon, everyone's getting off early, going up, and usually all the dealerships have a big, you know, dinner, donation dinner, and then uh, they have, uh, pretty good show Saturday and Sunday and everything that's collected money wise is put in for busted up loggers for, you know, the area up here and, you know, help guys that are hurt in the woods or even help the families of guys that are killed, you know, in that, you know, an accident. So, yeah, it's a good cause, man. You can't beat that. No. Well, I, uh, that's all I got for you. Um, like I said, I appreciate your time this afternoon and then I'm going to try and put this one out maybe a couple of days early, uh, get ahead of the logging conference. And when people are driving down here, they can listen to our conversation. Okay. Yeah. Sounds great. Hopefully I didn't babble too much. <laughs> no, man, you did great. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you later, Shane. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. If you guys are listening this long into the show, I just want to say thanks for sticking around. I'll see you at the logging conference.